Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and joining me this week is someone who was so inspired by the Paralympics that he went and chopped his leg off. But he made a mistake. He didn't read my email properly. We was entering the partially sighted archery together. How are you feeling, Stu? Well, I'm feeling pretty stupid at the moment. And also, <laughs> I don't want to take the joke too far. Because like you say, you know, you are disabled. Uh, so you can take, you know, take the Michael comfortably. I'm not sure how that tracks. But anyway, and... Um, I am not. So I'm going to tread very, very lightly and let you hurt everybody else's feelings. And I think that'll probably work out best, at least for me. Can you tread lightly on one foot? <laughs> Good point. Probably not. Uh, but no, based off this, there's some inappropriate commentary, which out of context sounds really bad. Um, and I love inappropriate commentary when it when it's taken out of context. But then um, the Athletics had started the other day and they had a... Uh, a former athlete on the uh, punditry team for on Channel 4's coverage, um, American woman, I think it was, and she turned round and only caught sort of part of it. But the, the, the line was, yeah, the ones in the wheelchairs are well lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's not good taken out of context. No, I mean, she followed that up after a bit of a pause with, um, because when, like, instead of the runners, they can con- they can concentrate on the big screen in the stadium because they're not bump like bobbing up and down like the runners are. It's quite smooth, so they can check their position on the screen. But it was just that out of context. Yeah, ones in wheelchairs are so lucky kind of thing. It was like, oh yeah. dear. Yeah, too right. So they've been hobbling themselves so that they can join the Paralympics. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, and there's another one where there's a disabled... Um, Athlete, well, obviously, it's the Paralympics, all disabled in some way. Um, but he's a tennis player uh, who needs a wheelchair. But this will be his last, apparently, time he can compete in disabled tennis because despite needing a wheelchair, he has been told he doesn't meet the dis- uh, the uh, criteria to be considered a disabled athlete. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's bananas. Fair enough. What? Yeah, so... But yeah, there's that. But we'll come to that later. We're going to be talking a bit more about the Paralympics um, and some stuff that's happened within there, as well as my thoughts on parasports in video games. Um, do you know what else is video games? What? Video games. Video games. God, it was right there in front of me the whole time. Video games are video games, in case you didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, as usual, let's see. What have you been playing, Stu? Well... It's all gone a bit wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and I've been travelling back into the past using the time machine that is the GameCube that I got. And my kind of I've got a project that I've alluded to over the last few weeks, and it's dipping back into the past for a very specific reason, and that reason is that I want to play the stuff that you can only play using the physical console. Or, you know, at least, you know, reasonably without hacking together a load of stuff so mm. that is mainly light gun games which for which you need a crt which i've got mm-hmm. and also stuff with weird peripherals like the fishing rod for the dreamcast and the you know what we were talking about the bongos for the gamecube so i've done that i've got the i've got this stuff ready and they're going to be sold on as soon as i've kind of had my fill but what I've been playing is actually something that I could play on any emulator, which is Mario Sunshine. So, 
Or play Mario, it on the Switch. Yeah, or play it on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to pay for it again. Jeez. You can't, God, you can't buy it again now anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, it's disappeared. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I paid for it 20 years ago, so I'm not buying it again. I'm not, yeah, not, not that much of a mug, Nintendo. But anyway, uh, I had never given it a lot of time when I bought it on release just because it really didn't click with me but I'm enjoying it more now but it's definitely a kind of oddity curio curiosity, let's call it and it, it you know it, it's got some really weird stuff and it's obvious that they learned a lot from it and brought that stuff into the the best bits of it into the the newer games after that mm. particularly Galaxy yeah but it's got a load of stuff that's just you know blech. So the camera's terrible. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Really, really bad. You can't adjust it vertically, really, although it's a vertical game. You have to go into the over-the-shoulder third-person view to be able to properly look up, which ruins the flow. Uh, the general camera movement's pretty poor as well. Uh, it, the camera rotates on its axis so that you, you're looking behind him and then it collides with something and you're suddenly looking at the front of him. All the regular mistakes that we thought had been ironed out, you know, by 2001 or two, whenever it was. It's a 20-year-old game, though. Think about that. Yeah, I know. I know, yeah. But even so, a lot of this stuff had been solved by that point. But um, anyway... But what people don't often talk about is there's, there's too much traversal. So what's great about Mario stuff is that there's always something fascinating leading you on. So, you know, there's either something more to jump onto, there's a little puzzle to solve, there's something that you're climbing up and you're timing your jumps and you're using those skills. But with Sunshine, the areas are big and open. And they look at first as if they're not. They look like, oh, we've got all these little nooks and crannies to explore. But... A, getting to them isn't all that much fun anyway. Uh, and B, the, there's very little hidden around the environment. You know, it's kind of like locked behind getting a shine and then, you know, shine get, and then moving on to the next one. So it kind of has a real pacing problem, a real hub world size problem. Yeah. And the flood, the water tank thing is good, but it's not like Mario in any way so it still has some Mario jumping stuff but it strips some of the jumping stuff off you and puts the flood in place and the flood doesn't work brilliantly it's okay but it's it's not fantastically fun so all that makes it sound like I hate it but I don't because it's really so unusual and so unique that it's and also you know it's by a first party Nintendo team so it's never going to be bad so it's an interesting throwback with lots of good ideas and a few terrible ones uh, but were you know worth experiencing yeah you you've summed it up really well you will spend you could spend hours debating what's wrong with Super Mario Sunshine but at the end of the day you, you kind of feel something for it it's and it's not yeah. just nostalgia it's it's a bad game it really is but it somehow leaves a a good impression on you yes yeah i feel i feel like do you know when sometimes one of your girlfriends is always after the bad boy and the one you know they're always doing something wrong but she, she stays with him and stuff like that that's what it is with super mario sunshine <laughs> I would extend that to any relationship and any gender. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't understand why they're still with Super Mario Sunshine, but they love him. They love Super <laughs> Mario Sunshine. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, well, it is gorgeous. That helps. Yeah. yeah, I've got a theory about Super Mario Sunshine. Um, I honestly believe it wasn't going to be a Mario game. I actually think it was going to be a quasi, quasi, sorry, follow-up to Luigi's Mansion or, or to start something to do with Luigi games. Just that whole, you know, backpack type thing and maybe a different ability, obviously, with the water rather than the vacuuming. But I also reckon they didn't have a good Mario game ready to go for the GameCube and decided instead to turn it into its next uh, Nintendo's next big Mario game. But I don't think it was meant to be a Mario game because, as you you mentioned and other people allude to, there's so much about it that isn't quite Mario. And I think that's the reason why I think it was more to continue or to do something with Luigi. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I know that they, well, my impression, I think from reading at the time, was that it was, you know, we're going to make Luigi something and we're going to do something for Mario. They're going to be shorter experiences, um, that, but they're going to have these new mechanics involved and it's both going to be backpacks but you're right but they could have they could have done something maybe they could have it might have been that they tweaked it from another nintendo property or something and the the weird thing is that if it was actually a short release like luigi's mansion was Mm -hmm. and it was only a five to six hour experience it would have been much better yeah if you've gone okay you've got you've got like 20 20 shines to find and you get rid of the whole Delfino Plaza thing and just have you go straight from a tiny little section, go through different doors, and you know, off you go and get a few shines. And it was slightly cheaper and it would have been released quicker. I think all of that would have helped it. Yeah. You know, Luigi's Plaza or something like that, they could have called it, you know, as a, yeah, a really yeah, yeah. really got with that. And it would have separated Luigi out from Mario ideally Mario's running jumping all action whereas then Luigi's more that methodical exploration type of game and it could really have worked Um, but I I still think something happened internally that made them panic and go we better turn this into a Mario game quickly (laughs) Um, much like Star Fox Adventures that was never a Star Fox game quickly turned into a Star Fox game something happened in that era of Nintendo that they made some pretty rash decisions I agree. I think that's definitely true. Mm. So, talking of rash decisions, go on. Somewhere you can't make rash decisions is when you're under under when you're controlling a super powerful rally car. This is true. Which means it's time for this week's mental health gaming rally update. Three right. It's a one left on course. One thirty. Roll up. Good way. So hopefully there, Stu's put some kind of jingle or something, or I'm now sounding very, very stupid. Um, It's up to him. I'll leave it up to him, whatever he wants to do. Stupider. Stupider. Stupider, yeah. Much more stupider. Oh, that'll mess with someone's head. Oh, yeah. Don't don't like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've been playing uh, WRC 10, which I kind of didn't play WRC four, five, six, seven or eight from the uh, the NACOM releases. Um, played nine, uh, mainly on the Switch, really enjoyed it. Uh, my son started to enjoy motorsports. So I was like, yeah, I'll jump at the chance of a new WRC game. And boy, it's good. Um, it's 
everything that I want the Dirt series to be, not Dirt Rally, it's everything I want the Dirt series to be, which is, it's not quite as simulation as Dirt Rally. It's not trying to be, but it is enough that you feel like there's still that element of tightness, that element of danger, that you're on the edge constantly, but you feel that bit more in control than you do with Dirt Rally, with all the like the assists off. It's an absolutely visceral experience. We played it on our first experience of playing a PC game in 4K because we, we uh, hooked the ch- ch- where we changed the living room around. We can actually reach the TV with the PC HDMI cable now. So we've got DisplayPort onto the monitor and HDMI into the 4K TV. And we cranked everything as high as the 2060 would allow us to go. Popped it on the TV in 4K and it's wow. It is night and day compared to 1080p gaming. It's the first time it's really stood out to us. But you kind of, because of that, it's now on the bigger screen. You've got the Xbox controllers. You've got the rumble with it and everything. You just feel every element of a a, a special stage. Just you feel it. You, you just you're on edge constantly you know and you've got to push you've got to push as far as you can go but not over push it otherwise you're gonna bin it very easy to spin out or, or, or completely mess up a corner but it doesn't feel uh, whereas with dirt rally and dirt rally 2 if you messed up you messed up and that was it you still feels forgiving enough that you can still go but not that the dirt side of stuff where it's everything's quite wider. So it's almost like a racing game rather than a rally game, the dirt games, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And really good series of cars from junior right through to like the WRC. There's classic cars and events in there as well. Um, so purely based on logo alone, uh, we went for Rally de Monte Carlo because that just screams Sega Rally to me because that's kind of the logo <laughs> of the Sega Rally games as well. Cool. And, yeah, oh, it's, it's outstanding. It really is outstanding. I, I gather some people have some issues with minor little things. Um, I believe it doesn't support VR. I haven't tested it. And people are, will refuse to buy it because of that. I think they'll be missing out. Uh, there's some steering wheel issues, I believe, that carry over from WRC 9 again. I can't comment on those. All I know is that both me and my son played it and had an absolute ton of fun with it. It looks beautiful. It's just the right level of difficulty. And it is just, it's the one of the most visceral racing games I think I've played in years. And also my daughter had a go and she managed to drive and spin a few times so she was happy. Nice. Yeah, it made all three of us happy. It's, it's everything I want from a rally game uh, for someone who isn't a full-on rally driver and doesn't need that pure sim experience all the time and no better but still no bells or whistles and that's what I like about it it hasn't thrown in a bunch of added events which the only thing that's a bit going there's no rally cross that we could find but again I'd rather they nailed what they were doing rather than shoehorning rally cross just because um so yeah Yeah. it's yeah wonderful title Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting that one. And I, I kind of went from being interested in it to playing WRC7, like I said yeah. the other day, you know, for 89p. 
and that just like going well if they've if they've even made it like a little better than that that'll definitely be worth having so yeah no i'm definitely in for that one as soon as it comes out and it kind of walks back a few of the, the problems that i've found with rally and racing games in general over you know the last few years which is the that horrible gran turismo creep that you get of everything's added layer on layer on layer that takes you away from the game for the actual racing mm. and you know even in like Fort Motorsport sport seven which i really like there's those levels of abstraction that keep you away from the, from the driving and they to me should always be in the background and yeah. you know they, they've come too much to the forefront for me but yeah world rally seem to have it just you know uh, well they're there in the background if you want them but everything's done at a level that it, you can access it's accessible it's an intermediate experience without you having to tinker with it and then when you tinker you can get it exactly the way you want which is the way it should be yeah yeah look as i said purists might look at it and go or play it and go oh it's not quite sim enough i've had people who i used to race with on like the xbox 360 and stuff like that that would complain about cars feeling like they're on a center axis and stuff like that and i'm like uh, what i don't seems okay yeah. to me does it play um, well <laughs> that's all that yeah, matters it, it's fun or oh the tires don't feel individually modeled properly oh, i don't care but fair enough that's what you want so stick to your game don't try and make every game like that i i like that there's an an iRacing or you know and then there's pure arcade experience or the simcade of like the grid games and stuff like that i like that there's choice and wrc taylor say you will get close to sim without it going full sim so again your purists your proper esports types might not get that out of it um although i believe it's the biggest esport rally game so there you go what do i know on that side of it um, is that just because it's got the the license though i believe so i believe yeah. it's pushed to there rather than anything else but what i want to point out as well with this um this is nacon who have this now wrc as a racing game has gone back many years and i remember playing wrc and wrc 2 on the playstation 2 and in my mind's eye with it when i look back at those and i remember seeing them at the time they still have the best replays of any racing game ever because they set that out that the actual cameras for the replays were proper TV-based cameras, so it wasn't loads of like following the car from impossible positions that a, a real-life camera can't do. So you'd have side cameras when there wouldn't be a camera somewhere. It goes to in-car view or the helicopter view. And I remember just being blown away by it, thinking these were the first times I looked at a replay of a race and went, that looks real on the PlayStation 2. Yeah. And this kind of has that. It, I, I still don't think they've done it quite as well as it was back then, but I, I don't want to go back and play those because I don't want my nostalgia <laughs> ruined because it probably doesn't look as good as I quite remember. But I, it's always held a, a, a place in my heart over the Colin McRae or Dirt games because... There's something pure about the WRC games. Uh, got career modes and everything, so you have got the fluff around it. But again, it's the one where you get in, you do a rally, and you uh, you concentrate on that. And it's, yeah, that pureness is is there with, with this from Nacon. And I think they're making themselves, and I'll speak more about those, uh, Nacon actually, a bit later. But I think they're putting themselves in a really good position of mid-tier, mid-to-high-tier sports titles. 
or like simulation type games. And I know they've had a bad rep over a couple of bits previously with some lawsuits over who owns game rights and, and stuff like that. But I think they're doing a good job with what they're trying to produce. So I'll speak more about those when we talk about the uh, the Paralympics. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. what's next from you? So next from me is a newish, well, yeah, new game. Uh, well, I think it's been in early access for a while mm-hmm. called Glitch Punk. Ooh. And yeah, that, it's a, that's a strange one. It's, is it, it better than Cyberpunk? Uh, no. <laughs> Because I, I know you hate that game, but it's a, that's actually a pretty good game. We'll have to have a big chat about. I, I've got, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I've got to, re, I've got to get into it when it's been properly patched, which is still probably six months away at least. But um, Glitchpunk. So mm. yeah, as as the name suggests, it's a kind of cyberpunky thing where you play uh, an android who's tasked with like following orders, eliminating people, that sort of thing. So far, so standard, but. The difference is that it's a top-down GTA-esque game, mm. so it's it's like Grand Theft Auto, and it's the original Grand Theft Auto original, for the kids listening. That's right, the original one. So fully top-down. Yeah, you know, it's three D, but it's just just in that view that it never changes from that view, and it's done in a PS One style. Like, I know I meant to say last week when you're talking about things looking PS2 which is an aesthetic that you really like Mm. Um, that but even more so I think PS1 style is the next big thing it's going to sort of take over not completely but it's going to start replacing in the indie world you know that 8-bit retro look you know pixel art thing so it's got really low res textures it's got a low poly count it's deliberately blurry it's basically extremely ugly it's one of the ugliest games that i've played for for quite some time yeah very brown was either brown or green it's kind of like if you remember syndicate wars on the ps1 the ps1 yeah yeah yeah. yeah, the ps1 version specifically because of that low resolution kind of like that but possibly even a bit uglier and yeah it's it's very it's very off-putting it's only kind of it works on the nostalgia level alone, I think, that. It's kind of like if you want to see that again and go, oh, yeah, remember that, then, yeah, yeah you'll you'll be happy. I'm not like that. I've got, I'm not a nostalgic person. I, you know, I'm just like, yeah, we, we walk... Like you're talking about a retro game every week. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm not playing... That absolutely shows that I'm not a nostalgic person because I'm playing yeah. them because I uh, I really genuinely want to not because it, it I want to go back to some mythical past you know um, it, I'm not nostalgic for that stuff if something's rubbish it's rubbish and I'll say it's rubbish and that that look to me personally is rubbish mm. and I don't see an excuse for it I think it would be far better I know I haven't even talked about the game yet but I will get to it I promise but um it would be far better if you had that as a as a filter as an option, but I guess that you know with it being a, a, an indie title, they they could only focus on one thing, and if if that look is the new, you know the new normal, then they're going to go for it anyway. Mm. So how does it actually play? You've just made an artist cry, by the way. I do apologise to them because <laughs> that is yeah. very very cruel. But no, I mean it is literally just my perspective, and they're probably you know crying into their stacks of cash because you know it's it's hit a, a wave of popularity. Uh, I'll probably like it. It's fine. You'll love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so gameplay wise, you 
buy things from vending machines like you do in seemingly every cyberpunk thing. Uh, you get your gun from there, you get ammo from killing people, you get health pickups you can use, you get what they're called, like mods that are allow you to do hacking and other stuff. You can steal vehicles because it's basically Grand Theft Auto. And yeah, I it's really odd. I I really don't like it. I'm not going to say it's a bad game, but for me it really doesn't land. And it doesn't land for a couple of reasons. One because they haven't set up pad controls properly. Now, mm. they did a big 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 set of bug fixes because I played it and then I was like, no. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to wait till it's been patched. So, saw that there's been a big patch, looked through the notes and I went, they've not really, they said that they've done something with the controls, but it doesn't sound like it's totally fixed. So I go in and like, there's a, you can remap them, but it doesn't tell you what buttons what, you've just got to press them. And it, it has a controller option, but it's greyed out. So I think that it's just not been added. So it kind of works and it kind of doesn't. It picks up part of the control. So I was doing, holding my pad in my left hand and using the left analog stick. And I was using my mouse for aiming because you have to really have mouse aim with the way that the acceleration with it works. And I hate WASD. That's why I was doing it because I hate keyboard controls. So that worked okay. But it, it kind of like puts you right into the throwback thing because it's kind of like you've just got uh, digital steering yeah steering <laughs> digital movement uh, and analog shooting uh, and it uh, you know there doesn't seem to be any control over the range so you've got like a reticle but it doesn't really matter where you put it you've just got to put it in line with the person rather than you get a bonus if you put it dead on them or you know you miss if you if you put it too close to yourself and not close to them so it doesn't really do anything it's just a throwback thing um all of that you know yeah crap crap controls so far uh, the other thing was it's incredibly hard now um, you start off your first mission is like eliminate three androids and in that very first mission it's com- it feels to me almost completely arbitrary of whether you're going to alert the police and if you kill somebody and the police get alerted, you you can't. You basically getting away from them is practically impossible. Because what I did was, I like I ran away behind several buildings. The cop was totally like out of sight of me at several points. And he still found me. So it's rubber banding. It's it's completely just rubber banding you. And also the alerts don't go down anywhere near quick enough it's like three minutes or something and if you like walk past a police car it'll get you they like immediately leap out and go after you uh, and other police cars arrive so it's like getting onto the highest alert level of gta but immediately on one kill uh so that feels like it needs a total rebalance to me like day one total rebalance <laughs> That's the, what you're describing there sounds like. Obviously, the everyone knows the legend of how GTA came about. Um, that they've made made a game based on the uh, the glitch that created GTA, but not done the balancing that the devs for GTA actually did to make it into the game it should be. And it also sounds yeah. like instead of making a game inspired by PS One games, they've literally made a PS One game with all the mistakes left in. 
I think that that's definitely the case in terms of, yeah, quality of life. I, I think that they really need to reconsider. And I, you know, it feels to me like it's still a, an early access game, but I think it's actually mm. been released now. Um, and it, it just needs so, so much attention, so much tweaking. Uh, it feels like an unfinished product to me. Mm. And I suppose it's the benefit you've now got. I mean, we've seen this with the likes of No Man's Sky, Cyberpunk, and, you know, even some of the Ubisoft games down the line and, and so on, is that it's not the end of the world for them. They can recover this. They can make the quality of life updates. It's, I suppose it now depends on what sort of developers they are. Are they going to take criticisms on board and go, right, okay, let's see what we can do? Or are they going to be the types who throw it back at the player and go, no, you're just not playing our game right, or this is the game we made, this isn't wrong, etc., etc. Hopefully, because I like the concept of it, I like the look of it from what I've seen in trailers and, and things like that, and I want to give it a go. However, what you're saying isn't, you're not the only person I've here make, uh, heard make those comparisons and those comments about it. So right. I'm probably going to sit back from it for a little while personally. I think if you're interested in the idea, then yes, keep your eye on it and don't rule out buying it. I would say, you know, even at full price down the line, it, it may well be worth it. Mm. But I would just say that, you know, if either A, you're not in, interested in that kind of a game, then you'd never need to bother. If you are interested in it, even then, don't leap on it now because I'm looking at the patch notes and this is the second major patch after release. And it's still not fixed to the core problems. So it's you've got to sit on it for a while. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we've had, I mean, it's not been out that long, but yeah. the fact that we're getting patches and major patches after release suggests that they are listening, which is a good thing, hopefully. Absolutely, yeah. And I forgot to make a joke when we said that. I say Glitch Punk. I said, is that the final title for Cyberpunk is what it should have been? Hey. 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 That's low-hanging fruit, that one, definitely. I know. And I missed it. And yeah. I missed it. I know. Oh, well, at least you got to explain it afterwards. So. Oh, no, losing my touch. <laughs> um, so, moving on, I've been playing a game that is a, it's a city builder with strategy elements, but no deck building. No deck cards, building? No roguelike. No roguelike. Whoa. I've not played a roguelike this last week or so. Not not played a new one. Wow. I've been playing a bit of Spelunky, though, but oh, just, we won't talk about Spelunky because it came out on Switch, so I've been playing a bit of Spelunky. But we're not here to talk about Spelunky. We're here to talk about Patron. <laughs> and no, not Patreon, Patron, which is a city builder resource management style game. So I suppose if you look at stuff like the like the Anno games, the Settlers, um, Frostpunk, that kind of thing. And... It's a, it's a, it's an odd, it's an oddity of a game in a really really good way. It's it doesn't do anything particularly new that you've not seen before or anything like that. But it's a really laid back, pleasant experience. Um, now, because I can't see at the moment properly, I haven't got my notes, so I might trip over myself a little bit as I'm talking about this one because there's a, a fair amount to try and talk about with this. So just but, just to break in, just lie, just lie. That's what I would do. In fact, I, I do it all the time. So just make it up and lie, and then we'll we'll cover we'll cover for you. Yeah, yeah. You edit me into making sense, so you know. I do my best. 
Um, it's a hard job. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know why I'm explaining why I might trip over myself. I trip over myself even with notes. So, with, you know. Good point. Um, yeah. But basically, yeah, you, you start off and you've got this small colony type thing and the tutorial takes you through like, oh, you need to gather these resources to build this. Um, you've got like just a few settlers with you and um, that now go and do this and then you can assign them to do certain tasks and they can, you know, they get skilled in certain areas and stuff like that. All the usual trapping. So first of all, you need to build shelter. Then you need a way of gathering food. You need a way of hunting. You need a way of gathering more resources like coal um, because you can't just do it with all with wood and then you, you get that and then you layer it and layer it and layer it and layer it until eventually you expand you get bigger and, uh, and things like that there's like the seasons change and you've got to really survive like harsh winters so you've got to make sure you're building the right um, accommodation that you've got enough food to last the winter um, you've got to deal with more people coming in so there's like immigration huts and things like that that you can build so that when people come in you can process them get them sort of doing their jobs that they should do you can actually turn people away you feel it'll overpopulate so you've got that side of it as well um, and it's got a the, the only way I could really describe it is it's almost got like the uh, that rains style element to it where it'll give you a task and go oh, if you do this these people might get more religion but and the church gets more money or the, the church might lose this and these people will gain this but it, it, you've got to really affect how your peasants or your settlers how um how happy they are how willing they are to do things obviously then controlling their health but not directly it's based on your decisions as to how you control their health um and it's got loads of systems on it, loads of systems. But what I found found about it, I've only spent a couple of hours with it. Um, and I'm because of my vision, I've not really got too deep into it. And I want to spend a lot more time with this. So I'll probably talk about this in the future. Um, but despite having layers upon layers, I actually found it really simple to be able to manage. So there's loads of little things you do, like you can put signposts down and it helps give optimum routes like and makes your settlers walk faster to do their tasks and stuff like that it comes fairly obvious when there's stuff they can't do or can't build and you can reassign them easily um and yeah i just it's it's complicated and it's really in depth but in such a really good way that i don't feel like i'm lost or that i've got to a point where i want to turn it off because it's got too complicated or or anything like that so, yeah, really, really impressed with it. And it kind of came out of nowhere for me. Really, really enjoyable, challenging, and I can't wait to see enough to play some more. Well, I mean, that sounds like a very good game. <laughs> it sounds like mm. it's very, very different to the approach behind Glitchpunk and, and that it's yeah, very solidly progressive and you know taking elements and refining them and stuff like that mm. even though it has possibly the worst title for a game ever that, that is abysmal that is yeah, like I, lowest effort kind of thing I, I honestly i don't know yeah i don't know where the title came from i don't know if again because the one thing i kind of have to skip over a bit is the law within the game because the accessibility settings aren't the best unfortunately but I'm still able to play it, so I'm not going to overly criticise them. But it's the one that they all do, where text boxes are white or like really light coloured with dark writing on it, and there's no, I can't flip it. 
I can't increase tech sizes on things. So I'm missing out on a bit of the law and I'm just going, right, what's the positive and negative of this action without reading what it's all about? And that might explain where the title comes from. Um, but yeah, I don't get the title either. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's just that not appending it with something unique makes it yeah. so generic. I mean, like control, you know? I mean, that's not as bad because it's, it's a cool word, you know, but even so, it's still kind of like, try try Googling it. <laughs> it's not easy. But um, yeah, no, Twin it sounds like a... shooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, okay, I, I do wonder if they sort of like... I don't know if they tried to fund it on Patreon or something and like someone put like the top tier of like spending £500 whatever a month and they got a chance to name it and it just put what's your patron name and they forgot to fill it in. <laughs> that would be really like, ironic, yeah. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, I, I don't want to dump on it too much. There might be a very like deeply <laughs> personal reason as to why it's called that or something that really makes sense within the game. But I, if that is the case, I apologise. And I'll, when I can play properly, properly down the line and soak up all the law within it, I will correct it. But yeah, at the moment, yeah, I don't get the title. No, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> oh dear. So but yeah, good game. Yeah. Really good game. Does sound good. Mm. Um, any more from you or is that it from you this week I've got one more I'll only mention got briefly because I'm going to do a, a full written review for the site and that's Star Hunter DX which is a horizontal shooter mm. and yeah I mean it's one of those that you know on quick on quick terms I would say it's a definite recommend for anyone who's really into shoot 'em ups you know it, it doesn't do anything blazingly new it doesn't utilise the whole horizontal thing much more than you know you would expect it's kind of more of a bullet hell which is traditionally vertical but it's still fun it's light it's kind of it, you know, it's challenging but it's not too long so it's um it's a good it's a good pick for if you're into that and you you're looking for one and you've played all the latest ones would i say get it over the two best ones so far this year which are natsuki chronicles and our type final two no i wouldn't i would say it's a distant third <laughs> at least of the ones i've played but if you've played those and you want more then yeah go for it yeah yeah that, that sounds interesting so it's one of those that if you're really into the genre you just want a bit more then it's there yep that's the one i can't wait to read the well i'll audio play the the full review but yeah, can't wait to see what the full review is all all about. But it sounds interesting. I, I passed I passed up on this one because I just didn't have the time to fit stuff in with my vision. I I kind of really really did fancy this one myself um, because I, again it's a horizontal shooter and I prefer those to vertical shooters. But it's good to know that it sounds like something I'd get quite into as well. So yeah. Yeah, well, in my in in the putative uh, horizontal shooter discussion that we're going to have at some point in the future, I'll talk about what I think makes a great horizontal shooter, and it's definitely a, a conversation worth having because it's uh, you know it, it's an interesting genre, really. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Because um, I do have a question it's about that, and we'll do that um, at the time when we talk more about them. And it's, I suppose, to say with vertical shooters, and it's going to seem like such a really dumb question, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for when we have a more in depth discussion. Cool. Sounds good. So, moving on. 
Um, at the time of recording, the Paralympics of Tokyo 2020 are going on. It's currently, oh, well, September 2021. So if anyone's listening to this in the future, just Google search. You'll probably find, well, if Google's still a thing, obviously, just do a search on the internet and you'll work out what on earth went on over these last couple of years. It's, you know, it's a thing. But yeah, it's on. And this is the first time I've kind of really watched the Paralympics with an idea of what the para-athletes actually go through. So time to own up a bit. I used to joke a little bit that if I lost a leg or or something happened to me, I'll be, you know, the positive side of it is I'll be one step closer to winning a gold medal because it's easier to win a gold medal at the Paralympics than it is probably at the Olympics. Lesson learned, by the way, over the last year or so, it's not the normal Olympics. You don't call it the normal Olympics. It is just the Olympics and the Paralympics. Um, Also found out why it's called the Paralympics. It's because it runs parallel. It's nothing to do with being paralysed, which a lot of people actually believe that's what it is. But yeah, that's why it's called the Paralympics. Um, But anyway, watching it now with more than just... It's really good. It's good to see people who are disabled get a chance at doing things. And I was spurred on, essentially, by... Spurred on. No, it really hit home. Is probably the right the right way of putting it. During um, a swimming event where Ellie Robinson gave an interview, uh, which before I carry on is playing now. I honestly thought I'd be more upset than this, but to be honest, I came here and I made the final, and I'm still in the top five. I, I can sorry. Now I'm starting to well up. I can feel it now, but. In the past year, people have been saying to me, like, it's okay to finish, because I was in a really, really, really low point in my life. Um, I was struggling so much. I was seeing a psychiatrist. I was on medication. It was, it's been one of the hardest years of my life. Um, people have been saying, like, it's okay to finish. It's fine. You don't have to carry on. And I said, I am not finishing this way. It is not going to end this way. So I can walk away, and even though I didn't meddle, I can still say that I ended on my own terms. I went out the way that I wanted to. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is this is quite emotional because I <laughs> because there've been so many times when I thought I remember saying if I have to crawl to the block on my hands and knees, I will do it. <laughs> and I'm just so proud of myself for getting this far because <laughs> I've been in agony this whole year. And this is a story of triumph. This is not a story of defeat. I am so proud of myself for getting this far and this is just showing people that what threatens to weaken you will not conquer you, you will overcome it and you will end on your own terms. You are in control all the time and I prove today that I am in control of when I finish, I am not being told. So that's the interview and it it really dawned on me then, it's not just the days of the races at the Paralympics. It's not just the the usual training regime to get there. It's what more para-athletes have to overcome. Ellie Robinson, for example, spoke about the the issue she had with her hip. And what a horrible thing that is, that basically the hip breaks down and rebuilds itself. And the hip functionality has a finite amount of time left. And she's had to battle that to even get there. So when you might see a para-athlete on top of their game and winning medals maybe easily 
and then they come back to another one and they're struggling. It's not just that they've not trained hard enough or everyone's got better. They're, they're struggling with stuff internally as well. And um, it just really hit home because one of the things I've discovered, it's not a case of, oh, you get a disability, you can then focus on doing a, a sport and possibly go and win a medal at it. I struggle to walk down the road. I struggle to walk through town being sort of partially sighted. I've probably at the moment got about 10 to 20% vision. And I struggle to do a lot of everyday tasks, let alone take up a sport at the moment. Now, a lot of that is because I'm in limbo with it at the moment because I, I, I don't know if long-term things will improve or whether this is it. Um, I've got consultants' appointments to sort of work out what's going on, and I can't, but I can't make changes yet because if it's not permanent and I do improve, then those changes are for now. But I can't not try and make changes because if it is permanent, I need to be ahead of the game with it and so on. Yeah, but I've been looking at what can I do in terms of like disability sport. Um, I can't do uh, visually impaired football, bizarrely enough, right? Because according to what we read, you need to be completely blind. Oh, yeah. So I can't. They have to wear blindfolds anyway, but I can't do it because I'm visually impaired. Yeah, so that's a, that's another thing altogether. But yeah, I struggle to do basics. You know, walking down the road, I'm having to really feel where I am. You know, I'm having to use my kids to guide me. Um, dropping Edith for a first day at school today, I didn't get to actually see her properly. Really weird. Got told give it like went to go give Edith a kiss goodbye, and had to double check it was my child. Um, <laughs> otherwise. You don't, you don't want to make that mistake. No. Um, luckily, it was. Um, Whoa. But, no. Um, but it's just the little things that you don't realise until you're actually going, going through it. And you get other things like, I can walk certain places. So I can walk from the flat, um, down the stairs, around the corner, until I get to a bus stop that I use quite a lot. And I can kind of do that, even still visually impaired, because it's muscle memory. So you do that and you seem quite independent. But then the second you move to anywhere that isn't that, or there's a minor change, you're gone. You lose your bearings. I had the other, last week I had a point where I was walking through town and I thought I could see well enough to get from one place to another to meet, to meet low. And then I got to a point, I just completely lost my bearings. And I had to ask someone where I was. And I'm didn't want to talk about I didn't want to say this because it's embarrassing but it's little things like eating your dinner we had like a pork casserole thing um, last week or earlier this week I, I can't remember which it was and I lifted it up because I couldn't quite see the food properly the next thing I know half of it is dripping down my chest yeah and I can mock that a bit now go, I can't even eat dinner properly it's a, but it was because I did it was like a white plate and a lot of the food was light so I really struggled to see it it was only then when we, you know, we had a little search and sort of like the RNIB website. It talks about using dark plates for light foods and light plates for dark foods. Didn't think of that, but it's little adjustments you need to make. So it's, whereas a lot of people, I, I think, do assume that maybe the disability sports are easier for people uh, because you see there's so many medals up for grabs at the Paralympics and things like that. It's not what you're doing there. Getting there is the culmination of everything you've gone through to get there. 
if, for example, I decided to take up, I don't know, like, you know, archery, because you can do archery uh, visually impaired, even completely blind, because you use, obviously, verbal uh, uh, audio cues and stuff like that as well. You can do that. I believe there's, like, shooting is a part of it, because, again, they use, like, light pistols and stuff like that. So you get the, like, you do get cues for it. If I decided to go and do something like that, it's not a case of I'll get good at it and then I go. I could get good at it, but it's what I need to overcome to get there. And it, that really hit home based on that Ellie Robinson interview. And I actually think it's going to be quite a powerful interview in terms of not just disability sport, but disabilities on the whole. Because in years to come, I still think we'll look back on that interview she gave and realise what people go through, what people go through and what what they have to do to even be accepted, to even be given anything close to parity. I'm not going to go political with it, but again, as someone who previously would have been considered a straight white cis male who had no issues, you know, maybe or like didn't quite have quite as much money, the opportunities I had in that role allowed me a foot up that others don't get, whether you were black, whether you were a woman, whether you're um, disabled, whether you're gay, whether you're trans, any of that, you're fighting something. And I'm really starting to notice that a lot more now. And I I, I want this to be a positive thing in a way, because what it's made me do is go, right, if I am going to be blind or, you know, severely visually impaired, I was looking at, well, that's me over. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, playing video games may well be a, a huge challenge that, I, you know, I'm going to have to stop accepting code or, you know, just, you know, changing what I play or maybe just enjoying it through the kids more and stuff like that. But it's maybe go, right, what can I do, though? You know, I'm 40, clearly can't go back to work as a graphic designer. And whereas I think I've spoken about it on here before, I was like what can I do? What can I do? It's not fair. You know, what can I do? And there was almost that side of it. I'm actually going now, what can I do? So it's the same question, but in a much more positive sense. Can I take up a sport at 40 years old? Can I take up archery shooting bowls or something like that? Can can I take up something like that and get good at it? Maybe not to win an Olympics medal or anything like that, but just something to do, something that I can say, look, I this happened, but I took it like this and i done something with it. Bizarrely, Lawn Bowls is out because I need to have uh, find a member who will actually who take me in. Um, so I can't do Lawn Bowls. Oh, um, no. It's quite an elitist sport. <laughs> do you know, um, I actually quite fancy playing that. It's one of them that you, you're not necessarily going to watch for fun. But <laughs> I, I, really like, I would really like to give it a go. But anyway, yeah. I actually go. prefer indoor bowls, by the way. There's a difference. Um, uh, fair play. <laughs> not not going to lie, Black Ball. It's a bad movie, but it made me really want to try black, um, indoor bowls. Um, I've never seen and that. I'll watch it. It's got um, Pete, uh, Pete, not Peter Kay, um, Dennis Penis. What's his name? Oh. Guy who plays Dennis Penis. Uh, Paul Kay. Paul Kay. Paul Kay. That's, that's it. it. Yeah, he's in it. It's, it's, it's and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I, I, I really, I really did enjoy it. It's one of those bad movies that I really enjoyed, um, but that got me interested in lawn bowls, and I really do like lawn bowls. But I want to take up something. But again, this limbo state I'm in at the moment means I can't try it. 
in terms of that doing it that way because if I start something for the visually impaired but my vision does get better through surgery and gets back to almost like I suppose potentially 2020 then I can't do what I've been trying to do so it's that limbo state and it's what I want to see starting to happen now is things not taking as long going back through sort of like now trying to get personal independence payment or additional help it's also long-winded um, and I'm lucky I've got Lo with me who can help me fill out forms or she will fill out the forms because I can't see them to to do them she can guide me through you know this is what we want on the internet read stuff out to me but not everyone's got that and you wonder how many people slip through the cracks in getting the help they deserve or the help they need yeah and on, on, on the other side of that it's how can we expose more people to what disability actually is and what it's not an end of the world and there are ways through um and i want to come round to nacon again who have done games like the WRC games, they've done handball, and then we've got other games that have been for like the lacrosse games, so they've done like niche sports and stuff like that. And I'm going to mention like one disability sport that I think would transfer wonderfully to a video game is uh, wheelchair rugby, previously known as murder ball, because <laughs> it's, that's a hell of a sport. Um, it's proper violent. Um, yeah, it's rough, and yeah, it's like I, I, I've been to watch that at the Copper Box in London. It's brilliant. Quick point: Lorraine, through her work, actually knew. Was it four? Oh, she's gone. She's in the other room. See, that's how blind I am <laughs> at the moment. Actually, knew four of the wheelchair rugby team that just won gold. Oh wow, cool! Which is really good. Um, I've been told I, I shouldn't name them just in case it breaks any confidentiality or anything like that. But yeah, she knew four of them superb yeah um through her care work and stuff like that so anyway um but stuff i want to start seeing what can we do i mean i know women are only just being allowed into sports video games so maybe i am asking a bit too much but wheelchair rugby is a video game i think it's the one disability sport that stands out like it's its own thing it's not for me it's not a disabled version of an existing sport wheelchair rugby feels like its own thing um and it's spectacular i think that'll transfer really well but why have we not got wheelchair basketball in the nba games yeah why have we not why have we not got you know uh the blind football or wheelchair football in the fifa games why why are they not there i'm not saying they've got to be perfect recreations to start with but why are we not introducing them yeah why are we not doing stuff with introduce like okay we're talking about now um We've seen people like kids who are who are transgender, non-binary, black, gay, all all of that starting to recognise themselves in games. And I, you've, I've heard many wonderful stories of kids that have seen themselves now in games. They feel represented. Disabled aren't disabled kids aren't. They're still not represented. They can't see themselves in FIFA or NBA or even in an action game properly and they need the representation and again i'm not saying put your whole budget to it you haven't got to do that but introduce it introduce it in some way even if it's not introduced perfectly introduce it and see how people take it up 
you know, I, 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 it's, it's, we've got to do more now to get the representation for disabled people um, because it seems really weird that disability was one thing that was always at the forefront. You know, you get the like the the crossing things to help people know when to cross the road or the bumps and things like that so we've done little things like ramps have had to go over here you need wheelchair access to places so we've done those bits but then but it seems as though as a society we've gone that'll do you don't get above your station yeah yeah and it's something i want to see change and it's is it selfish because i'm you know i'm looking at being now permanently disabled yeah but i think as we spoke to before Unfortunately, you don't notice these things until it happens to you. But what I would say, if it's something that happens to you, don't stop until we until you get what's needed for equality and parity. Don't stop. Don't stop shouting. Don't stop making waves. And hopefully one day, maybe not my generation, but I want to know that if my kids have kids and any of those are disabled, they get every chance to be the best version of themselves that they can be and again i sorry i've waffled but yeah i had to get that out yeah no that's good it's a good point and you're exactly right there's the things about certain sports um that lend themselves to good games and i think certainly that control of the, the wheelchair i think would be great i think you know i've not seen uh wheelchair rugby but wheelchair tennis has its own you know particular movement patterns as does basketball and it would be brilliant to see them as modes in the existing games and then hopefully you know later on break out into their own thing especially as like you say there are some games that are particularly only played by people with certain disabilities I saw one only yesterday that was called like I think it was like goalball or something yeah that's the blind football yeah yeah, uh, but it's totally different it's not you know it's it's like it's a bit more like dodgeball but with with kicking yeah and uh it's com- it's a completely new sport really uh, so yeah w- you know why not <laughs> oh yeah 100% and it's uh, i say if you haven't seen wheelchair rugby honestly find a find somewhere to go and watch it it is brilliant watch the documentary murderball by the way first um, get that on dvd or streaming wherever you can get it watch that um and then um and then sort of like find a way to go and watch it because it is a visceral sport and okay, okay what, what do we need i mean maybe in yes we need representation in games but why is disabled sport only shown every four years why are we not getting that on the sports channels more on the TV more. Could Channel 4 use one of their additional channels to do a two-hour magazine show once a week, or even on Channel 4, two-hour magazine show once a week covering disability sport? Let us know what's going on. So we're not getting these new athletes come out of nowhere and people not know who they are and then forget about them for four years again. I honestly think there'd be interest in some some of these sports uh, because people often talk about, oh, my God, that's amazing every four years and then forget about it so continue the exposure uh, but that that's it from me really I, I i always kind of go on monologues and i do apologize but eddie robinson done it and people love her for it so there you go <laughs> as usual follow us on all the socials and look at all our old content on youtube follow us on twitter being the main social platform for us but also if you want to support us on patreon or on coffee and in the meantime it's brad's 40th 
Brad's coming up to 40. Yeah, Brad, give Brad some money. Yeah, he won't spend it on drugs, honest. And no, because I, yeah, because I can't see the dealers. Yeah, good point. And in the meantime, yeah, send him drugs through the post. Yeah, do that. Um, in the meantime, stay safe and stay sane. Mm-hmm.